Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, we, are, we say all the time that we're the perfect place for imperfect people uh, because there are no perfect people here. Everybody's life uh, is, is uh, we are, we're all sort of a mess and hypocrites in, tra- in transition and all on our way to becoming who God created us to be. And so we're just so thankful that you are here and sharing this journey with us. Uh, and, uh, and we're so uh, glad that uh, you took time out of your week to hang out with us. And so if you are a guest this morning, uh, we do have a, g- a gift for you. We'd love to uh, meet you afterwards and give you that gift, uh, just our way of saying thanks for hanging out with us today. All right. Um, I, it's no secret, I talk about it all the time, I love movies, I would go to the movies every, like I love going to the movie theater, I hope that COVID didn't ultimately kill movie theaters like over the long haul, I know they're still going right now, but like there's all this conversation in our, in our culture about how movie theaters are eventually going to go away, and I just hope not, because I just love, uh, I, I would keep them in business, I would go all the time, I don't mind going by myself, my wife thinks it's weird that I would go to movies by myself, she thinks it makes me look really pathetic and sad that I'm like over there watching, I don't care, I'm, I'm fine. I got my popcorn, and I don't care if anybody's with me. If nobody's with me, nobody can talk to me and say distracting things to me when I'm watching a movie. Uh, but one of my favorite movies um, is The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Um, I don't know if you've seen that movie, but it's a fantastic movie. Uh, I actually watched a little bit of it recently, um, and, and it's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, definitely go check it out. Um, it's funny, it's quirky, it's endearing, it's inspiring, and, and it's a story about having the courage to stop dreaming about life and actually begin to live it. Uh, it, It's incredibly human and all these moments of of fear and insecurity and courage, but it's a reminder that life is what you make of it, that sometimes you have to let go, sometimes you have to make the jump, that sometimes you have to take the leap and make the risk. And, And the core theme of the film is that life is what you do, not what you dream. That if you wanna feel alive, you actually have to begin to live and not just exist. And I absolutely love that, and it's true, that life 100% takes courage. Life is not for the faint of heart, but, but courage doesn't always look the same. And so one of the things we've been talking about in this series is the different forms that courage can take and really kind of zeroing in on this idea of commitment. Because sometimes courage looks like fearlessness, but sometimes it actually looks like faithfulness. Sometimes courage is, you know, having the boldness and daring and adventure to risk and to jump and to go. But other times it just looks like standing firm and having a backbone and having determination and grit and stick to We We often define ourselves and our lives by a few really, really big, really key moments. The decision to you know, take a certain job or move to a certain city, the decision to get married or to marry that person, the decision to have kids, like we define our lives in these milestones, these really key moments, but the truth is, like life is all of the stuff, all of the seemingly insignificant moments that are in between all those really big moments that we sort of look at as sort of making up the most of our life. And, And so, We kicked off 2022 with this conversation about life and faith, about growth and commitment, about risk and discipline, because the course of our lives is shaped and steered far more by the cumulative impact of those thousands of little tiny moments and those little tiny choices that we make every single day in our life than it is those handful of big, courageous moments where we step out in courage. Well, one of my favorite books in the Bible is called Ecclesiastes, and it's written by a guy named 
Solomon. And in Ecclesiastes, he starts talking to us about a, a lot of different principles for life. And, and there's different parts where he gets really, really practical. And there's one verse in particular where he introduces us to a framework for living, for how we can begin to maximize our life and the opportunities that we've been given to step into the life and the future that God has for us. Because it's not just gonna happen. See, I, I believe that this year, 2022, can be the best year of all of our lives, but it isn't just gonna be something that happens to us. It's something that we will make happen by the decisions and the choices that we make and who we choose to become and how we choose to live in this year. And so I, I want to take you to this one particular verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 as kind of our starting point and jumping off. And I want you to listen to what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10. He says, if the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. So it's a, a simple verse, kind of obvious, pretty straightforward, right? If the ax is dull and the edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. Now, this may come as a shock to you, especially given my very hulking physique, but I haven't spent a ton of time in my life chopping wood. Uh, and, and the times where I have were mostly when I was a kid. Uh, when I was growing up for a while, we lived way out in the middle of nowhere in central Oregon. My dad, we moved out. My dad took a job at a logging mill in this little town that was about 50 miles outside of Bend called Gilchrist. And he worked at this logging mill. We lived out in the And then that wasn't far. There was only like 200 people in this town. And that wasn't far away from everybody enough. And so eventually we moved out of downtown and moved out and just to the sticks. Basically, I think my dad just like picked some property and we put a trailer out there and we lived almost off the grid for a while. It was just way out in the middle of nowhere. Um, and, and the only heat in our house was this wood-burning stove in the wintertime. And, and, and so there was this constant need when it was cold, you know, for firewood in the winter. And so my dad would cut down trees and chop them up. And of course, uh, we, you know, my brothers and I, we were required to help um, after all, that's part of why you have kids, right? So you have free labor and you just put them to work because there's a lot of stuff that has got to be done. And, and although my dad had a chainsaw, he seemed to love swinging that ax. And, and I remember a couple of different times him taking us out into the woods, not just to chop wood, but to chop down trees. And, and so he would pick out a tree and we, he would go to work for a while and then we would all take turns chopping at this tree. I was just a little kid. Uh, and, and I don't know if you've ever done that. I don't know if you've ever tried to chop down a tree, uh, but if you have, you know exactly how much work it can be. Like e even just kind of a medium-sized tree takes a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of energy to chop it down. See, I, I think what happens in our lives is so often, you know, it, we're surprised at how much time and effort and energy it takes to make even a modest amount of progress in our lives. And you know this, if you've ever tried to change something, if you've ever tried to adapt a new habit, if you've ever tried to like, you know, I'm stuck in this rut, I need to break out of it. And, and you know how much time and effort and energy and focus it takes to actually change something about your life, to, to make some progress in a specific area. So often when we look at the different stories of people in the scriptures, we actually think of them and define them by their pinnacle moments. But, but if you chose almost any other moment in their story, and you could just pick whichever person you wanted to, 
If you chose any other moment in their life, any other moment in their story, besides that pinnacle moment that they're known for, that the reason why we even know who they are, it'd be a completely different story, right? You would look at their life and you would almost never predict success for them because of the extraordinary hardship that most of them had been dealt. I mean, Joseph was a slave and spent a huge chunk of his life falsely imprisoned. This guy Daniel and his, all of his friends, they were slaves. Moses was exiled because he committed murder and all of his family were slaves. Ruth was a widow who had lost everything. She became a refugee with no family, no people, no resource, and ultimately ended up in a completely different place in a completely different country. Esther, who became queen, but was not really a queen. She was sex trafficked, taken as a concubine for a king who collected women the way that Jay Leno collects cars. And yet all of them experienced incredible life, incredible moments of impact, incredible ways in which the story got to this moment and then changed courses because of the things that they said and did. See, it's so easy for us to lose perspective because while there is no doubt some very real challenges, some very real setbacks, and even some pain that that is peppered into each of our stories. And maybe you're even in the middle of some of that right now. You're in the middle of a struggle. You're in the middle of of just some brokenness and some pain as you're walking through that. And, and, And it's not to diminish that at all. But, but sometimes we lose perspective because most of us will never face the kinds of challenges and the level of struggle that most of, the, most of the heroes in the scriptures, most of the people in the scriptures faced. At the same time, while our success and our impact may not rise to the level that many of them experienced, after all, most of the, you know, the, the people we're talking about, their, their lives, their achievements are enshrined in the scriptures. And although we might not reach that level, we can actually step into the opportunities that God is inviting us into to experience his life for us and to have an impact in our life, in our world, right where we are. But it's going to take approaching our life. It's going to take approaching some areas and some seasons of our life, like a lumberjack chopping down a tree, not hoping the tree will go down. Not walking up and just kind of kicking it a few times, trying to push it over, but sticking to it, chopping it down until it falls. See, I think it's important for us to remember. It's important for us to be reminded that God's grace is not opposed to our effort. God's grace is opposed to our earning. We can't earn anything. See, the life that God created you for will not come because you've earned it. But it also will not come without considerable effort on your part. Like you can step into a relationship with God and be forgiven and receive that grace and receive his life. But you actually have to begin to step into it and live it out by the way and the decisions that you make. And that will take considerable effort. Solomon says if the ax is dull and its edge is unsharpened, I wonder what is the ax that's been placed in your hand? We're obviously, none of us are lumberjacks, I don't think, but we're all chopping away at something. We're all working through something in our life. We're all standing at a couple of trees, chopping away. What, what is the ax that's been placed in your hand? What is the thing that you need to take ownership of, that you need to take responsibility for in your life, that you've just kind of just been pushing to the side? What, what is the thing that you need to sharpen and get better and better and better at? 
Last week, we actually talked about uh, all about these um, inward disciplines for our lives, uh, about caring for the interior of our life. So much of our, our life is spent you know, in our heads, but so much of what we do is to care for our outsides, to make our outside comfortable, to, to, to for our outside enjoyment. And, and so often we just neglect what's going on in our hearts and minds. And so we spent last week talking about these disciplines, these practices that we can step into to begin to actually take care of the, the stuff that's going on inside of us. And we looked at this metaphor that the Apostle Paul uses in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8, where he says this. He says, physical training is of some value, but training in godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and for life to come. And we started, we, we started with the inward disciplines because everything that you and I do, everything that we become, everything you are flows from your core. It flows out of your heart and mind. And so in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says this, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. But what I want you to see this morning is that the training that the apostle Paul is talking about, the, the training that we spent all of last week talking about, is actually preparation for something. See, because nobody just trains just to train. You train for a purpose, for a reason. There's a goal in mind. The training is necessary, but the training isn't the point. Now, so what is the point when it comes to our spiritual lives, when it comes to our faith, when it comes to the things that, that, that where our life flows from in our interior, in our heart and mind? Well, Jesus actually didn't stop there in Luke 10, 27. He didn't just say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's a second part where he says, love your neighbor as yourself. See, the thing that is so difficult for, the thing that we have to spend so much time grappling with is that God has wired you and God has wired life in such a way that the purpose of life and the most compelling life that you can live is always going to be connected to other people. Part of the reason that we invest in spiritual disciplines, part of the reason we're even having this conversation, part of the reason that we, we talk about practices that help us know who God is and who we are is so that we can grow in our capacity to love other people that's the goal that's why we train when we're disconnected one you know when we disconnect these two things one from another we actually start to lose our way and and maybe you've experienced this because if all you're doing is trying to serve other people but you're not actually caring for your own soul and your own heart you will end up angry and bitter and burnt out and just used up and sucked dry but if all you're doing is caring for your own soul and you don't have a regular outlet where you are serving the people around you, you will become self-focused and judgmental. You will become rigid and religious. Your faith will be shallow and you will grow restless and bored in your relationship with God. Because if we don't actually channel the prep work that we've done on our souls, into the service of other people, into making a difference through serving and loving and giving ourselves away, eventually it all starts to kind of feel somewhat pointless. Like, why am I doing this? Why am I going through these things? Why do I do this every week? Why do I, what is this all for? Now, I don't know about you, but this reality it is not how we, it's not how I want it to work, right? Like, most of the time we think, like, I just want to serve God. 
I mean, it seems like that should be enough, but, but it's not. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, one of Jesus' closest friends, one of his disciples wrote these words. He says, whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot, that's pretty strong, cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's not talking about like, oh, I love you. He's not talking about a feeling. He's not talking about words. He's not talking about emotion. He's talking about the way that we live, right? He's talking about what we do. He's going, if you cannot love the people around you whom you can see, you cannot, you don't have the ability to love God whom you cannot see. In other words, what he's saying is loving and serving God a lot of times looks like loving and serving other people. That's what he's saying. So what are the axes that have been placed in your hand? I, I think there's layers to this. So for me, I don't think of it being as just one thing. Like, like one of the axes in my life is to be the best husband that I can be to my wife, Hansi. Like I, I see it as, as that it's not only my job to love and care for her better than anyone else, but that it's my job to love and care for her better than anyone else ever could. See, if you're married, why would you not make this one of your axes, right? Like to be the absolute best husband or the absolute best wife that you can possibly be for the person that you're married to. Because if that is not your goal, you realize, right? You're, you're having the person you married settle for second best. You're, you're having them settle for less than you could actually be. So that's one of my, it's one of my axes. I, I, but I also wanna be the best father I can be to my kids. I love being a dad. It's, it's one of the things in life that I feel like I was created to do. I love laughing and spending time with my kids. I love learning the, the nuances of their personalities. I love teaching and training them. I love passing on my faith and my love for God and my love for the scriptures to them. I, I love knowing and figuring out what makes them tick and what makes them come alive, listening to the things that they dream about and the things that they are looking forward to. My son, my oldest son, is getting ready to graduate from college here at the end of the year, and he is dreaming about his career and his life taking off, and it's amazing. This week, talking to my six-year-old, he is dreaming about saving his money for a Lamborghini. And it's all right. See, that... That is an ax, being a dad. That is an ax that I feel like God has placed in my hand. I, I wanna also, uh, another one, I, I wanna be the best leader I can be for our church. I, I, know, I know I'll never be the greatest pastor. I know I'll never be the greatest leader. I know I'll never be the greatest communicator or the greatest speaker in the world, but I can be the best that I can be. And, and I wanna serve people and love people the most people in the best way that I possibly can. I want people to feel known and seen and loved and inspired because they're connected to our church, because they're around me, because they have a relationship with me. I wanna do everything I can to help people fall in love with Jesus, to live their best life, to take risks that they might not otherwise take, to strive to become more than maybe they even thought they could be. And so my question for you is what are the axes that God has placed in your hand. Because you gotta decide, you can't do everything. You, you can't throw yourself into every part of life. You actually have to decide, this is the ax that I'm gonna sharpen in my life. 
The other question you have to wrestle with, I think, based on what Solomon says, is how big is the tree that you're trying to chop down? Because you don't need an axe for twigs, and you don't need a particularly sharp axe if the tree is really, really small. But if you're going to tell a man, you're going to need a really, really, really sharp axe. See, I, I think one of the temptations we have in our lives is that we settle for only taking on things that we know that we can do. Chopping down small trees that make us feel good and look successful. I, when I wrote that, and I was writing down these thoughts this week, this became really emotional for me. Because like you, I've had periods of time in my life where I failed at things, where I went into it with the best intention and I gave my all to something and it did not work out. And not only did it not work out, but we are in a culture that when things don't go well, people assume the worst of you and they pile on. And so I had this period of time where I had all kinds of people that I had loved and cared for turn on me and say terrible things about me. And it hurt me so deep that I just started like pushing everything out and away. And I didn't know it at the time, but I started moving down in tree size because I'm like, I don't want to go after the big trees because that's not, not only is it a lot of work, not only do you spend yourself, but if you don't chop that tree down, everybody stands around and says, well, you're an idiot for trying to chop that tree down. That's because you don't know what you're doing. That's because, you know, everybody's an expert, right? And so I just started moving down to smaller and smaller things, setting the bar lower and lower and lower so that at least I was accomplishing something. But what I started to realize is that, like how tragic that was when I sort of realizing like, oh my gosh, I'm de- I've, I've decided that I'm only gonna do the things that I know I can be successful at. How small, of, and, and trust me, the number of things that I know I can be successful at is pretty small. So what are the trees that you're trying to chop down? See, so often, we, even in our own faith and our connection to our church, we, we tend to give and serve and love, but not in any ways that truly actually cost us anything or require any level of faith, right? That, that, that require us to go, God, that, that's, that's more than I was planning. That, that's a bigger leap than I was gonna make. That, that, that's far more generosity. That's far more love. I didn't wanna reach out to that person. That, that I, I'm gonna need some help here. Like if you don't come through, it might not happen. And so we settle for these things that we know we can do. And it makes us feel good, but our ax is dull and the trees are little. When you stop and think about it, like honestly, like it's kind of interesting to me that, and this is true of me, it's true of all of us, that the overwhelming majority of our time and effort and energy, even when it comes to our faith, like the bulk of it is spent trusting and believing God and working for God in ways that benefit and bless us and benefit and bless the people that we love most. And there's, Uh, To be honest, some of that is natural. Some of it's even necessary. But can I just tell you, like those are the little trees in your life. And there's no, you should have no shame in chopping those trees down. But God actually has more for you. If you don't ever step over to something that's a bigger tree, if you don't ever step up to something and go, man, I'm gonna take some wax. I don't know if I can, I don't know if my ax is sharp enough to take this thing down. Yeah, I don't know where you're at in your life or what you're chasing but I've reached the point in my life where I wanna take down some big trees. I, I, I wanna see some really big trees fall in the world.
I, I don't want to settle for just the little ones. So what is it that you're trying to accomplish? What is it that you're willing to put in the hard work for? What is it that you're willing to go after and believe God and have the faith that it's bigger than you? It's beyond your capacity to be generous or to give away or to forgive or to love. What is it that you need the faith to step out and do? And then there's the part of the sharpening of the ax. As Solomon says, when the ax is unsharpened, it takes a lot more strength. It's, it's a lot more work and a lot more effort to fall the same tree and to make the same difference. And some of us are surprised when we try to tackle something and we get absolutely gassed out trying to chop down a relatively small tree and we just can't figure out why. Why this thing that I used to be able to do or this thing that just didn't seem like that big a deal and I'm trying to go after it but I just can't figure out, I just can't make any progress. It's understandable because we focus so much on the tree falling, right? Like I don't know if you've ever been where someone is chopping a tree down and it finally falls, especially if it's any size. Like, it's spectacular. Everybody that's around, like the spectacle of it's made. Everybody stops and pays attention, sometimes so they just don't get squashed, but also because they want to see this tree fall down. Everybody looks, everybody celebrates. The whole experience is awesome. Visually, watching it fall audibly, hearing it creak and crack as it finally breaks free and crashing through the branches of other trees while it falls and then it hits the ground with that thud. It's no wonder that the falling tree gets all the attention because those are the moments of impact that we live for, right? Those are the moments of God's miracles and God's provision and the, the, the incredible moment where we step up and we make the speech or we step up and we take the leap and we have the courage. Those are the moments where we have the love to make a difference, the giant moment of generosity. And so we're tempted to ignore the ax and just try to go beast mode on the next tree but you'll never chop down any tree of any size with just brute force. It actually takes a sharp ax. And the way that you maximize your impact in the world is through practice. It's through training, like the Apostle Paul said. It's practicing the spirit. This is why we're even having this conversation about commitment and disciplines and practices and habits. Listen to the way that James, the half-brother of Jesus, listen to what he says. James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror and you see yourself. But then you walk away and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you've read and what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. How practical and just like brass tacks is James? Like he's saying, look, it's possible for you to look like a lumberjack, for you to grow a beard, for you to rock the flannel and the beanie, for you to have the Carhartt beanie and the gloves and the boots, for you to carry a big ax, but not actually ever cut down any trees, to not actually have any calluses on your hands from swinging the ax and actually getting out there and doing the work. 
He's going, you, you want to know the kind of life that has impact? You want to know the kind of life that makes a difference? You want to know the kind of life that God blesses? It's, it's those who actually live it. It's not sitting and hearing it. It's not believing it. Right? Because there's certain breakthroughs that only come through us getting up and doing it and living it. It's not thinking or feeling or even believing that actually causes us to move from where we are to where we want to go. And you already know this, right? Like, you, you can know everything there is about nutrition. You can make a great workout plan. You can buy all the really expensive workout gear. You can make a perfect workout playlist on Spotify. But if you, if you don't actually discipline yourself to eat well and work out, it doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter if you identify as someone who works out. It doesn't matter if you feel like somebody who works out. It's not going to help you unless you actually work out. And it's the same with your life. It's the same with faith that you actually have to do the disciplines to receive the benefits. You have to train and practice. You, actually, you have to actually spend time sharpening your axe. Which is why somebody could actually know less than you about God or about church or about the Bible, but actually be experiencing far more of a fulfilling spiritual life because they're actually doing something consistently with what they know and the things that they're learning. See, if you want to go deep in your faith, you don't need a Bible degree. You just need to have a few basic spiritual disciplines that you begin to regularly and consistently practice in your life. That's what will sharpen the ax. So when that moment comes, when God's like, that's the tree, go chop it down. You're like, God, I don't know, that's a pretty big tree. This is the moment you've been training for. Go to work. See, it's something all of us can do. It's something everyone can do, but so few of us actually do it. This last few weeks of this conversation, I have tied myself into knots trying to figure out how to frame these conversations in a way that will really click for people. And what I realized is that for the most of us, the reason why it's been so difficult for me is because I'm saying stuff that many of us already know, we just don't want to hear because we just don't want to do it. It's like, yeah, I, yeah, I mean, right? It's the same way with all the stuff that people make resolutions around, whether it's health or relationships or finances or whatever. Most of the time, it's not that we don't know what to do. It's not that we don't have the knowledge to go do it. It's just that we just want to avoid the work necessary to actually sharpen the ax and chop the tree down. So we search and we search for the silver bullets and the shortcuts and what's the extra trick and how do we, you know, but they don't exist. There's no such thing as a silver bullet. There's no such thing as a shortcut. The shortcut is doing the work. And that's why we're taking so much time in this series to actually talk about stuff like spiritual disciplines that's not really super exciting to talk about, but actually very, very necessary for the health of our life and our soul. So um, last week we talked about these list of inward disciplines. This week I want to touch on a few outward disciplines because they go hand in hand. And the first are about strengthening our core. That's what we talked about last week. The latter about sharpening the axe. And so in your seat, if everybody would indulge me for just a minute and then we're going to be done. In your seat is a little card that looks like this. 
just has a list of the outward disciplines on them. Um, and rather than bore you to death reading them to you, you can all read. Um, I, I just wanted to uh, touch on a couple of things. So th- again, as we talked about last week, this is not all the things you could do. There is no complete list of disciplines that you could in- engage in that would grow your relationship with God because ultimately anything that helps you connect with Jesus and become more like him and living out his way in his life is a spiritual discipline that you can do. Like, so this isn't all of them, but solitude. Like you could actually spend time getting alone, getting away from noise and reflecting and, on your own life and allowing God to begin to speak to you and spending time tending to your own soul, talking to and listening to God. Submission, um, I, I am gonna t- touch on a couple of these just because in our culture, um, they're like not words that we're really into. And so, um, first, of, first of all, the first one is submission. But you cannot read the New Testament and come away with any other idea than that submission is part of a life of being a follower of Jesus. In fact, the verse that's on there is, is an incredible verse where he just says, submit to one another. See, this is not about, in a, in a lot of places, and maybe you've known them or been a part of them, submission is about like submitting to one person or a group of people that are the leaders or the authorities or the, like, that, that's, not what I, that's not what this is. I don't, I don't need you to submit to me. This is about us submitting to one another. See, the apostle Paul wrote, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Of course, spiritual authority is a thing, but I don't need you to submit to me. We need to submit to one another. And so the idea of submission is just being like, hey, I'm gonna stay committed and connected to a people or a place or a process. See, that, that's why this matters, is that there's this regular time where we come together and we're going like, we're gonna actually submit what I want and my desires and the songs I like and the thing that I wanna talk about and I, we're actually gonna worship God together with whatever songs are going on up there and t- together we're gonna submit to the collective wisdom of the scriptures and God speaking. That I'm gonna build a relationship with you and that we're gonna support one another and help one another and challenge one another and care for one another and call each other to our best life. That, that's what submission is. And then simplicity, um, <laughs> that's just like rejecting the notion in our culture, um, and this is a really big thing in our culture, that more is the answer, is the way that you become happy. More what? More of everything, right? We, we're in an upgrade culture. Like I got this great TV that works. I cannot wait to get a bigger one and a better one. My wife is super pragmatic. She's like, that one works. Why do we need to get rid of that one? I'm like, because I'm a man and I want a large TV. Right? But that's the way we are in our culture. We just want bigger, better, newer, bigger, better, newer, bigger, better, newer. Why? Well, because of more. We want more, more, more. And, and look, having, great, having nice things is awesome. But what if we just rejected the idea that more is actually the path to happiness? And we could actually live with less and experience more joy if we were more generous and more open and we lived our life more like this. What do all of these things look like at a basic level when you're talking about solitude and submission and simplicity and serving? 
Well, honestly, at a basic level, they look like attending and serving and giving. That, that's, that's what they look like. So why, 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 why do you want me to do that? So, so the church can grow? No, so that you will grow. See, because if you grow and I grow, the church will grow automatically. I, I, I don't care about growing our church. I want to grow people. Because if we grow together, the church will grow on its own. There's nothing, there's nothing magical about attending church. There's nothing magical about serving and giving. You actually still have to chop at that tree. You still got to do the work. See, sometimes in our faith, we, we want to disconnect from the language of success, right? Because that, that feels like a very unspiritual thing. And so, but, but we begin to adopt all of these processes and thought, you know, these, these thought patterns about what we actually can do. And so we actually move our life into neutral when it comes to our faith. And God's going, no, 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 no. You actually have to step forward and begin chopping down the tree. There's nothing magical about getting connected and being faithful and having your kids and your family connected and attending regularly. There's nothing magical about that. In fact, you could do that and actually have no impact at all on your family. It's just an environment that you can step into and go, hey, I'm gonna actually use this time to sharpen my ax. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna allow God to speak to me. There's nothing magical about serving and giving. They're just the simplest ways for you to practice simplicity and submission and service right here, right now, right where you are. Could you do it a different way? Absolutely, right? There are all kinds of ways you could begin practicing the things that are on this card, all kinds of ways that you could do that. Right? And that's, that's the pushback we have, right? It's like, well, you just want me to, you know, there's, I, could do, I could do that stuff. Yeah, you could. So what are you going to do? How, what is that going to look like? Sometimes the fact that we can do anything becomes our excuse for not really committing to doing the specific thing that's right in front of us. It's like, well, I could do something else. Okay, well, then go do that thing. Well, I just, I mean, I don't know if I want to. I don't care what you do. Put these things into practice. So the enemy of our soul, he begins to make us paranoid, right? Because we start thinking, like, looking for all the ways in which we, why we, like, can get an out and why we don't, right? And so we start having these conversations about, in our head about, and we get, become convinced that anyone that's advocating for spiritual disciplines or that's calling us to make a commitment, they have some sort of hidden agenda, agenda and they're just trying to take advantage of us. But I just want to tell you, like, I, I just want to see you sharpen your ax, I just want to see you go after some bigger trees. I just want to see your life thrive and your faith grow because you need that and the people around you need that and your family need that and your neighbors and your coworkers and friends need that. Your wife or your husband, your kids need you at your best and your sharpest. They need to see you step up to a tree that they don't think you can chop down and you go after it and chop it down. Your church, your community, the world needs that. So let's, let's do it. Let's grow together. And so there's two specific challenges that I'm going to invite you into. And if you are new this morning or you just kind of started coming or this is all new to you, um, you are more than welcome to step into these challenges as well. But I just want you to hear how much God loves you how much we love you and how thrilled we are that you're here. And maybe that step, maybe that sharpening of the ax for you is to really just commit for this time to be a regular part of your family's rhythm and routine. The other two things that I wanna to mention to you 
Um, number one is um, there's a card in your, in your seat. This is something we do, I don't know, once or twice a year, a 90-day challenge where we just invite people to take a 90-day giving challenge. It's something that anybody can do, but I'll be honest, I know right off the top, it's not for everybody. Most of us are not ready to trust God with tithing regularly. We just aren't. Um, but if you're up for a bigger tree, maybe this one's for you. And so all the 90-day challenges is, is simply us as a church going, hey, we believe that everything God says in the scriptures about generosity and giving is actually true and accurate. And so if you'll begin to trust him, we'll put our money where our mouth is. And if you will give on a regular basis for the next 90 days, if your life and your faith aren't better and you want all the money back that you've given the last 90 days, we will give you all the, every penny back that you've, received, that you've given. Uh, in the time that I've been with South Hills, like six years, uh, we've had a handful of people that uh, took us up on that challenge on the back end and was like, yeah, nothing happened. I want my money back. And we returned all of their money. Um, it doesn't happen very often, though. Not because we don't want to give people their money, but because God is faithful to do what he says he's going to do. So if you think you're up for that, you can find that information on here. And then the only other thing I just want to invite you to do is, man, find your place this year. It doesn't have to be right now, but find your place as part of this team serving on a regular basis that we can make an impact together. Our church is continuing to grow, slowly people trickling back after being sick the last few weeks, and we are moving forward together. I want to chop down some really big trees in this valley. I want us to reach and love people and have people come to faith and become a disciple who then comes and brings other people stepping into that relationship with Jesus. After all, loving people, connecting with them, serving, giving, giving ourselves away, that's the point of all the training. Once you step into life and faith and relationship with God, he then begins to turn your life outward to love and serve other people. Let's pray together.